Jobless claims surprised the street. Big banks beat earnings expectations. Some big analyst calls in the industrials and a major call on Bitcoin. This is the running with the money briefing. Let's get into it. And we are back. The markets are moving higher. You take a look at the performance right now, and you have the Dow Jones up over 500 points, S&P 500 up over 70, and the NASDAQ moving up over 245 points. Most of these indexes, the indexes, all pushing to the bottom end of that 50-day moving average, one of those key levels that people, uh, at least technical traders and technical investors, are looking at right now. I'm curious as to if the markets can reclaim their 50-day moving averages. If that's the case, many believe the bulls are back in control. But to get into the day's biggest headlines, we have a few big ones. And the first one we have to lead with is one of the major headlines driving this market higher today. And that is this jobless claim data that we got this morning. Weekly jobless claims dropping 36,000 to 293,000 um, in initial claims for state unemployment benefits. Um, you know, that's a 36,000 drop. So seasonally adjust that and you see 293,000 um, for the week that ended October 9th. Now that's the lowest level and this is why it's important. That's the lowest level since mid-March of 2020. Um, so some big time positive data there when it comes to jobless claims. Um, and it's also the second weekly decline in a row um, in jobless claims that the Labor Department has reported. Now you take a look at continuing claims and those decreased um, by 134,000 to 2.593 million. Um, and, and then finally, the total number of people collecting unemployment checks under all of the programs um, dropped by 523,426, bringing the total to 3.649 million as of the week ending September 25th. So some big time positive data coming out of the economy, especially in the labor market. Labor Department um, impressing the markets this morning and the markets moving higher, um, likely on that as well. Just something to pay attention to. Now, we did get some professional opinion. Um, Reuters went out and asked Arubali Faruqi, um, chief U.S. economist at High Frequency Economics in White Plains, New York, what he thought about the data. And he went on to say, quote, the data support the narrative that businesses are increasingly reluctant to let go of workers amid a severe supply shortage. He goes on to say, but it is still not clear if the expected supply surge that failed to materialize in August and September will appear going forward. So the data is looking pretty good, but we don't know how all these shortages are going to affect the data coming out in the future, um, but something to pay attention to. And then you take a look at that produce price index. It increased 05 percent in September. That's another one of those inflation gauges um, in energy prices um, led for the majority of that PPI increase. Um, so, you know, great data all around coming out of the labor market this morning, or at least pretty darn good data um, in the street views as pretty darn positive data. Now, shifting in to what was a very full morning of earnings. We got Bank of America results, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, and we're going to dig in to these results real quick. So, Bank of America 
impressed the street this morning, delivering an EPS of 85 cents compared to the expected EPS of 71 cents. So beating there on EPS, revenue coming in at $22.87 billion, above the expectation of $21.8 billion. You have profit um, increasing 58% to $7.7 billion. And according to Bank of America, their results were boosted by a $1.1 billion reserve release um, that led to a $624 million boost um, after charge-offs. Bank of America right now up 3.95%, making a new 52-week high. You take a look at the past six months for Bank of America, and after hitting a low in July, holy smokes, this thing has absolutely been on a tear um, in moving higher in just the past few months here, going all the way from that low in mid-July at $37 a share to $44.87 where we see it today. So a solid quarter on a solid 3Q for Bank of America. And then Wells Fargo, that stock actually underperforming uh, the markets today. It's actually down um, nearly 2%, 1.99% as we speak, 45.13 a share. Um, and you take a look at the results. EPS came in at $1.22, um, and that beat the $0.99 cent EPS expectation. So they beat on EPS um, revenue coming in at $18.83 billion compared with the consensus estimate, according to the NBC of $18.35 billion. Um, so they did beat on revenue, but that is down um, when you compare it to previous quarters. So revenue somewhat under impressing investors there, but net income is the big impressive number coming, coming out of Wells Fargo. Net income for Q3 over there um, at $5.1 billion. That's up 59% um, in the you know, if you take a look there, that's $5.1 billion compared to $3.2 billion, up 59% year over year. Um, so definitely solid performance, at least when it comes to net income and EPS over at Wells Fargo. And then this theme of reserve releases continues because Wells Fargo's results were also boosted by a $1.65 billion reserve release um, that in turn um, led to a $1.4 billion um, surplus or benefit um, after charge-off. So definitely some good stuff coming out of Wells Fargo, but the market not as impressed given the revenue that really didn't expand um, the way investors wanted it to. Now, shifting into Morgan Stanley, one that actually uh, impressed the markets today, um, and the stock is currently performing not so badly, um, but you take a look at earnings, um, $1.98 on EPS, $1.68 was the expectation, so they beat on earnings per share. You take a look at revenue coming in at $14.75 billion versus $14 billion, which was the estimate, um, and then revenue and net income actually increased more than 25% year over year. Um, so solid performance over at Morgan Stanley. According to management, um, some of their results were boosted by the E-Trade and E-Advance acquisitions, um, both two very successful acquisitions that Morgan Stanley has made in just the past uh, few months, few quarters here. Um, so solid stuff coming out of the third quarter for Morgan Stanley. And then the last big, big bank um, that really the market's focusing on today uh, is Citigroup, um, their Q3 results. So they reported an EPS 
of $2.15 um, and revenue of $17.15 billion. Um, and that beat expectations of $1.65 on EPS and a revenue expectation of $16.97 billion. So solid stuff coming out of City. Um, and really the theme coming out of the big banks this morning and their results was in essence that the capital markets were actually stronger than expected. Um, that business for the banks was stronger than expected. Um, and that in the future, um, the banks do believe they're going to continue to do well. You saw a few of them um, beat the expectations when it came to guidance as well. So solid stuff coming out of the big banks this morning. Goldman Sachs reporting today after the bell, something to pay attention to. And then shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day. What do we have going on here? Well, we have Cohen initiating coverage of Caterpillar as outperform. And what does Cohen have to say about Caterpillar? Quote, we project the first mega cycle for Caterpillar financial performance in 14 years and only the second in modern history we see a 35 billion dollar revenue opportunity from autonomy in the next decade we expect at least 75 percent of cats markets will seek improved or new power technologies our analyses of overlooked rail metrics portend momentum for construction so cohen saying hey listen cat is going to see some big time business over the course of the next few years um they're going to see quite a darn uh cycle and they're saying this is the first quote mega cycle or they're projecting the first mega cycle for cat um so solid stuff there you take a look at cat's performance today it's up 2.59 percent currently sitting at 193 bucks per share Now, shifting into this big call on Apple by Needham, reiterating Apple as a buy. They say, quote, we lower our iPhone 13 shipment estimates for calendar Q4 2021, ending December 31st, 2021 by 10 mm units um, based on our channel checks and press reports citing chip shortages and ongoing supply chain issues. But all of this call, this whole call from Needham orients around this iPhone 13. They still believe it's a buy. You take a look at how Apple is performing this day um, with this call and, you know, all this supply chain fear around Apple. It's up 1.91% um, at $143 bucks per share. So an interesting call. Um, Needham remaining in bullish on Apple here, rating it a buy, reiterating it as a buy, but lowering that iPhone 13 expectation. And then Stifle upgrading UPS to to buy from hold saying quote we think there's a lot to like about the fundamentals ups story right now despite tough comps e-commerce continues to drive secular volume growth in the company's core small package unit and continued yield momentum focused is a boon in an environment with ample near-term rate momentum in our view so stifle liking eps into this holiday season where shipping picks up and they're liking the e-commerce trends that are pushing even more shipping in business to UPS. And then finally, we have two other calls, big calls on the street. We have a call by Cohen reiterating Uber as outperform. You take a look at Uber over the past few months. Today, it's up 2.13%. How's the performance been, though, over the course of the last three months? Only up 2.09%. In the past month, it's up 21%. And on the year, or on a one-year, 12-month basis, it's up 34%. Cohen reiterating Uber is outperformed, saying, quote, We expect Uber to report strong, albeit decelerating 3Q 2021 gross bookings growth led by mobility and delivery into Uber's first quarter positive e 
Da. So they're liking, in essence here, um, or they're hoping for or believe that uh, Uber is going to deliver pretty darn solid numbers here in the next quarter, um, and therefore they believe in our putting an outperform rating on Uber. And then finally, we have Evercore ISI downgrading Deer to inline from outperform. And Deer is one of those names that a lot of people were liking um, when the industrials were hot, and now it's absolutely hated. You take a look at the performance of Deer at the moment. You see in the past three months, it's down 4.82%. It's way, way off those highs, all the way up at 390-ish per share, currently sitting down at 328 a share. So let's see what Evercore ISI justified this call in this downgrade um, on Deer with. They said, quote, Deer stock lowered from outperform to hold in line. New target price, $354 per share. Downgrade less about the numbers, but the uncertainty behind any earnings forecast and sediment around the stock in light of uncertainty of the strikes duration and outcome. So in essence, Evercore ISI liking the fundamentals to Deer, but not liking the sediment around Deer, downgrading um, Deer uh, with a price target of 354 bucks per share, um, downgrading it to hold or in line. And then finally, we have this big call on Bitcoin that we're going to shift into. Um, so a lot of big analyst calls today, um, big time bank earnings that impressed the market. And then finally, uh, at the top of the show, as we talked about, we had those uh, pretty darn solid jobless claims numbers that came out this morning as well market very impressed with all of that very happy um, with the bank earnings and jobs market today but we also got this big call on bitcoin so fidelity investments director of global macro um jurian timmer uh said that bitcoin could hit one hundred thousand dollars in just a few short years. In fact, he goes on to say and has noted that according um, to the data, uh, actually Bitcoin over the course of the past few months and weeks has been pushed higher by institutional investors. He noted on quote, according to CNBC, that investors who have held Bitcoin for three months or less make up just 14% of all coins in circulation currently, which is below the threshold at which most bottoms happen. He said, quote, at the top, it was about 35%. This has not been a momentum run fueled by short-term speculators that gives me some confidence that this is a sustainable move and not a bubble that's about to burst. And he's talking about Bitcoin moving to the upside over the course of the past few months here. And then he went on to say, according to CNBC, once again, that the supply model and a demand model uh, he studies imply that Bitcoin is on its way to 100,000, unquote. The next and last time those two models intersect is at 100,000 thousand in a couple years, Timmer said. My sense is the trajectory is up of Bitcoin and there really is no evidence that this is a bunch of momentum chasers. So pretty much here we have Fidelity Investments basically saying, the director over there um, of Global Macro basically saying that this move in Bitcoin that we've seen over the past couple months here is not just a pump and dump scheme, that it is a fundamental move to the upside and it's one to be trusted. Interesting big time call on Bitcoin there um, with a $100,000 price target in essence on it or saying it could hit easily hit $100,000 over the course of the next few years. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with Bitcoin. In the meantime, that is the conclusion of the briefing today. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, want to see any changes to the podcast or have any questions, want to see an individual company deep dived on or broken down, um, tweet me at Luke Donay, um, or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at running with the money. Um, so thank you for listening. Go give the boys over at pounding the table a listen. They have an excellent podcast with a lot of valuable information um, and we're proud to be part of the podcast 
Pounding the Table Network. Go give them a listen on Spotify um, at Pounding the Table um, or follow them at Pounding the Table on Twitter. Um, so thank you for listening. Easily Profit Trade On, and I will see you tomorrow. 